Hi, welcome to Sacred Reading at Brandon Podcasts on the Nowhere Girls. I'm Miss Huff, and this week I get new people with me. I am Journey, and I'm a senior this year at Brandon High. And I'm Michaela, and I'm also a senior here this year at Brandon High. Thank you girls for doing this with me. So we're beyond the halfway point in the book now, and a lot of the drama has really heated up in this book. And I pulled out a quote, not from one of our three main characters, but from one of the chapters titled Us, where we get to hear a lot of other people's perspectives. So on page 297, it says, a girl looks around the lunchroom and can help but laugh a little at all the groups of girls being forced to separate by security guards. Since when are groups of white girls considered a threat? Must be the nowhere girl stuff. Some girls on her softball team invited her to a meeting a couple weeks ago, and she thought about checking it out, but she knew she never would. Because this feminism, or whatever it is they're doing, it's a white girl thing. When they go around making demands and yelling, people call them fired up and passionate. But black girls don't have that privilege. When black girls stand up for themselves, people call them hostile. People call them dangerous. They call them other things. So literally, our first step is what's going on at the book right now. And this is after some of the posters have been defaced that they put up supporting Lucy when she accused those boys of rape. Um, This is after the sex strike has been going on for a little while and the protests against the cops who did nothing and against the school who did nothing to protect Lucy. And it's gaining in popularity so much so that there have been interviews on the news And the principal is just mad and wants the school to go back to being normal. And so she has extra cops on campus and they're now literally splitting up any groups of girls that sit together at lunch. And this is somebody's reaction of that. So literally that's what's going on. She's looking around and glad that she's not part of it for once. Allegorically, is this something you guys have heard about or seen about on the news or seen something similar in other books? Me, not the same like exact scenario, but I have seen it like among boys mm-hmm. when incidents happen. They'll sep- try to separate the boys, or like depending on which racial group the boys belong to, they get treated differently. Because I feel like not, I don't feel like races are so to speak more privileged than another now. I feel like that's not really the case because there's a lot of privileged African Americans and Hispanics, but. I think that there's a stigma towards like when there's a large group of Hispanics, they're like, hey, what's going on? Or even if there's a large group of Caucasians, oh, they're planning to do this. Like there's just a really large stigma against people of the same social group all in one setting at one time. So I feel like I have seen that and it's something that's familiar in our society right now. I can agree with that. Most definitely. It's any like large group of teenagers. Right. More than it. Yeah. I see the reference to the hate you give that we read last year. Oh yeah, that too. That, you know, Star talked about the fact that nobody saw her friend as a person. Right. They, they just labeled him thug. As a black guy, right. Mm-hmm. Just like another black guy. Yeah, they didn't care. Right. Didn't even know him. Didn't know the background. Didn't look into it. Right. Didn't, didn't look care further. to. Right. Mm-hmm. And he or she's saying it's the same kind of thing. Like, you know, if she stood up with groups of her friends right. and yelled, they'd say she was hostile. They'd say she right. was violent. She it's may unfortunate. End up in the same place. So personally, that's something hard for me to connect to. Yeah. Being 
you know, in my upper thirties and white and, <laughs> uh, you know, the parent, my parents were married my whole life right. and I, I grew up fairly privileged. Right. Um, the worst I ever dealt with was kind of being labeled as a nerd because I was in band. Um, so that was the group I got labeled with. Right. That didn't really bother me because they were all my friends, friends and my right. school had like 500 people in band, so it wasn't an issue. Right. <laughs> Have you ever felt like you've been judged for being in the group you're in or for the color of your skin? Or for well, yeah, so um, I'm not really one to hang out with groups, but yes, I know people, they just like, instead of seeing someone as something else, it's like they try to... Well, it's not even like they do. They just jump into conclusions and like, okay, well, she's black, so she must be ghetto, or she must be from a hood, or you know, you know, have a dark background. When that's not true with all black girls or black guys. Like, you know, we're all different. We're, that's the thing, though. People, yeah, I agree. definitely, I can also I'm think sorry. you fall into that category because of your skin tone or because of your race. That's true. Because my mom is remarried to my stepfather, who mm -hmm. is Caucasian, mm -hmm. and my step, my actual biological father, he's black and Dominican. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't raised like in a Dominican household. I wasn't raised like with Dominican customs because my mom is black. Mm -hmm. And now, like being reintroduced, like my stepdad and his family, it's like I don't really fit into any bracket because I'm not white, and all of my my younger siblings are like they're mixed. Mm -hmm. So they have a, they look different. Like our hair textures are different. Like their mannerisms are different because they were raised a certain way a certain way versus when I was raised it was just me and my mom and my sister so I'm a little more rough around the edges so to speak than the other kids because they've been more sheltered and more like uh it was, it was just a it's a better and more productive like household than it was when I was growing up so sometimes it's uncomfortable like for me because I feel like I don't really fit with my dad's side because I wasn't raised with this Hispanic background. I'm not. I don't really consider myself to be Hispanic because I don't adapt to any of the customs. Versus, you know, mm -hmm. I feel like I identify as black. So it's just it's kind of like an awkward position to be in sometimes because I don't really know where I fit. And then on the outside, I look like a black girl. And then my dad's family has to explain. Oh no, well she's Hispanic also. And then yeah. So I have a friend that I went to school with who played saxophone, and he's actually become a professional musician. Oh, wow. His name is Nelicio Rodriguez. So clearly his name is Hispanic. Right. He is very dark-skinned, and he is from the from Dominican Republic. Yeah, that's one of the biggest misconceptions with Hispanics. Yes. Um, our band director nominated him for a scholarship oh, his oh. senior year oh. for African-American students. Which oh. he had to find a way to politely and respectfully decline and explain that he was not oh. African American. Oh, wow. So yeah. well, the assumptions we all make yeah, exactly. based on what you look like true. follow us. It's very true. It happened. It even happens with I do it myself because I've met like because by my grandmother's house there's like a Latin market that we visit mm -hmm. a lot, and there is this one really fair-skinned lady in there. And I didn't know she was Cuban, so I just assumed she was white because she was really, like, fair-skinned. And I was like, oh. So when I spoke to her, I didn't speak Spanish. I just spoke English. And she's like, oh, no. Do I español? I was like, oh. oh, wow. Like, it's just something that, like, we're used to identify people based on how they look when, in reality, we're all mixed with everything. Absolutely. And then we're, we all can connect. Right. We're all the we same. All have things in common. You know, we go through stuff. Not everyone grow, grows up in a household with both of their parents you know right just because you're black caucasian 
Indian, like that, like mm-hmm. that happens. Not right. everyone has that American dream. I feel like because mm-hmm. we talked about this like last year, junior year in English, like the American dream for Caucasian folks was like perfect, like <laughs> big house, two point five kids in a white right. picket fence, right? Yeah, yeah. two point five. <laughs> you know, I feel like that's all. That's like so unreal. So it's like we all come from the same type of struggle right usually it's just different culture right and i think that's a misconception too in our culture is that because someone's black or because someone's white we can't identify with each other's struggles when in reality like you don't you don't have to be a certain race to live without a parent or you don't have to be a certain race to be on like government assistance like they put that bracket on things like oh this was created for african-americans because they're lazy or they struggle or hispanic because you know, right. like, that's what some people view it as. Mm-hmm. But in reality, like, I feel like that kind of stuff is for everybody. That's mm-hmm. a stepping stone for you to get your your life on the right track. Because, and I, I feel like I can speak from it because I experienced it. Like, my mom used to need government assistance. And now she's in a position where she can give back to people who need government assistance because she uses it as a stepping stone to get to where she is now. Sure. So I feel yeah. like it's just all about perspective and understanding that in reality, we're all the same. Just dif- we just look different, but we're right. all the same. And we were made to be different in sure. a way, but we do come together. We're, we're all human. Right. We all have struggles and things we face in life. So, and I think if we, as a, if we're thinking about call to action, what we could do based on this, what I hear you guys saying, and what hits me is that if we all have common struggles, but we all look different, right? It's important to remember that and it's important to start looking for commonalities and it doesn't matter what somebody looks like and it doesn't matter that I'm standing here with this big pink book there are plenty of boys who look at that and go oh but it's like 13 reasons why and we'll read it for that instead because they look for the commonalities I need to do that more I need to question and find the common ground in my life, especially in politics, I think. I don't think we make inroads and find ways to come together in the political spectrum Absolutely. until we start looking at what makes us all human. So I hope to do that. And thank you guys for talking to me about this today. Thank you for having us. Right. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, we hope you guys enjoy the book. And I'm going to hopefully publish one more episode right over break the beginning of it for the last one. And if you want to read this book, come find me in the lunchroom and I'll give it away. Thank you very much.